Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rocker Recovery. Today, I'm straightening my crown, Joshua. And this is Josh. I'm from, also from Rocker Recovery, and I'm packing heat. I'm packing Jesus. <laughs> That's right. So today, we're doing the Spirit and Soul Disconnect book. We're on Lesson 6. It's called An Immature Conscience. Read the scripture. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their their faith. First Timothy one nine. So I have a story here that I want to tell you. Um, having uh, an immature conscience um, has not has made me over responsible, so that I'm always uh, wanting to fix things, control things. I'm wanting to um, be responsible for things that aren't my responsibility. And as I take on somebody else's responsibility, it helps them to be under responsible. So here's my story today. I had uh, a German Shepherd and she was quite fearful and so whenever I would take her out she would she would I would always have her muzzle on I would always have her harness on I'd always have her double leashed and normally I didn't take her out unless it was dark well this day I had kids with me she had been doing so good that I didn't have her muzzled I had a couple of collars on her I had a little prong collar I had a harness collar on her but my neighbor let out her 15 pound dog who come charging over at us and she got right up underneath my gigantic shepherd and uh, that dog picked her up and threw her <laughs> and then the dog charged us again <laughs> and, the, and my dog pinned her down picked her up by the nape of the neck and threw her well the little dog goes crying home to mommy and the woman comes out screaming <laughs> and then threatening me and then telling me to put the dog down that it was dangerous and I'm like Okay, so I called her trainer, I called her vet, I called the boarder that had her, and I said to all of them, I, I really think I need to put this dog down. And they, all three of them said the same thing. Re- really? Re- really? She did what she was trained to do. Her training was to protect you, and she was being charged. She didn't kill the dog. Right. She didn't even bite her to put a mark on it. She just got it away from you. Uh, and that's what she was trained to do. So why would you put a dog down because somebody else was irresponsible and crossed over the boundary on your domain? It would be like somebody coming into your home and robbing you, but they fell over your ottoman and broke their leg, and now they're going to sue you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. so I'm giving up my rights to my freedom and my dog's rights to her life to appease somebody else. And so that's where this lesson came out of. That's what I started saying. Lord, why would I do this? And so even if I have a tender conscience that is so tender that I'm over-responsible, I'm still shipwrecking my life. So read the introduction here, Josh. If a situation is even slightly traumatic, I will withdraw and isolate or bolt to being over-responsible. I also am willing to give up my rights for things. I have paid for the keep to I have paid for to keep the peace. This makes me prone to forfeit things. Christ paid for to appease an enemy. Whoa. <laughs> keep going. This type of surrender is not a victory. Instead it places me under tyranny. It also it is likely others will enroach encroach encroach upon other boundaries to dominate and oppress oh wow look at that so if i'm yielding my god-given rights i'm under somebody's thumb other people are encroaching on my boundaries they're dominating me they're oppressing me so sitting back and doing nothing to allow another person to break the law is an 
absurd, absurd. So I want to make sure that I got a really good boundary and a good conscience that's like, this is right, this is wrong. So read the lesson. Uh, when I considered the reasons for my skewed, skewed. skewed behaviors, this was my conclusion. I possess an immature conscience. <laughs> So an immature conscience exhibits irresponsibility by usurping the consequences of another's irresponsible actions. Why might I do this? Number one. To keep the peace. Number two. To be passive, which allows others to dominate. Number three. To allow another to be comfortable continuing in a sick behavior. Number four. To cover for others who break the law so they will not get caught. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> To step back and refuse to hold others accountable. Number six. To give up my rights for peace and safety. Now, as an enabler, I have done, the reason I'm laughing is because I've done every one of these. I have done every one of them. I've tiptoed around other people. I've allowed them to dominate. I've allowed them to continue in sick behavior, even in my home, uh, so that I'm walking on eggshells at all times. I'm able to turn my head, keep my mouth shut if they break the law, if they, you know, rob my credit card, if they, you know, I'm, I don't hold them accountable. So when I was in active enabling, uh, I had all these behaviors and these behaviors are characteristic of an immature conscience. So if you're an enabler and what I've watched is um, those in recovery from addiction, Josh, they're enablers. Yes, I've and, seen. I've and seen. they cover for other kids. Yes, I've seen something happen like, okay, just an example of something I, that really struck my heart, okay? Two guys got in trouble into this Christian program that I went through, and one was held to the highest, like, he, he was given all kinds of words to write, all kinds of actions to do, and the other guy was a cool guy. He was in Kahoot, like, he was, he was friends with all the peer mentors and stuff that ran the place. Well, he was given only half, and they did the same thing, and the guy that was only given half is dead today. Oh. The guy that was held accountable oh. and made oh. to write all them words, he's doing good today. Wow. So when wow. we let other people pass and don't hold them accountable, we're truly killing them. Mm. I call it another nail in their coffin. Yes, very, very true. And facts. so you really, it, it, you know, sometimes it's harder. I, it's more suffering for me to watch my loved ones suffer than it is to let them suffer. So I have to sit with my suffering because sometimes I want them to do so well that I'll take all of the cost on me. Yes. And I even tell myself that's what a Christian would do. That's what Christ would do. But that's not true. No, no it's not true. We, if they're not repentant, they didn't learn anything, and they're just going to have to go back around this bush again. So, Immature emotions are fearful timid, paranoid, confused, and tormented. So when I get here, when I get in a lot of confusion and there's confusion with a relationship, I got to back up and I've got to give those decisions as to what do I do here to my husband or to someone who's more a concrete, who cannot be um, uh, manipulated emotionally. So if you're being manipulated by people in your family, they may not even be addicts. They just may be irresponsible with their finances. I want you to give that authority over to someone who cannot be manipulated emotionally. Yes. So let's look at some relationship boundaries. Lay down my right to be right. Healthy relationships. Hmm. So sometimes in a healthy relationship, Josh, I lay down my right to be right. I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't need to be right as to whether or not these dishes are done every night at a certain time. It, it's okay if you're, you, you know, I just, I don't have to be right. I don't have to have that last word. Mm, that's that's strong, actually. That's 
humbleness, really. Yes. And it goes both ways. Yes. I can't give that right up all the time unless they're giving it up. And it's a it's a gentle dance with one another where they're serving me and I'm serving them. If it's always me laying down my right yes. and being run over, then that's not healthy. That's real. Okay. Uh, set a firm boundary and hold fast to my convictions. Unsteady relationships. So with unsteady relationships, I want a very firm boundary. I want to say no. I want to mean no. And I want to hold, let others hold me accountable for that no. Uh, build a wall with gates and windows. Also unhealthy relationships. So when I'm in an unhealthy relationship, I want to build a wall around my heart. The word says in Proverbs 4.23, protect your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And Jerusalem had a wall around their city that protected them from the enemy. And then they could open the windows and the gates. So I want you to have a wall around your heart where your city, your internal world belongs to you. And then you open gates and windows to let people come and go. And they have to earn the right to be able to come through those doors. Does that make sense? Yes. So in unhealthy relationships, I just want to close those gates and close those windows and not let them in. Next one. Okay, close and lock all doors and windows and set a guard <laughs> for the bullies and accusers. So if you if people are standing in front of you and you've done good, you've done good, you've done good, and they're bullying and accusing you and flipping your words and blaming you and bringing up your pet, yeah. Let's lock those doors. Yes. <laughs> Let's lock those doors. Yes. Time to move on. Time, time to let them go. Let, let, them, go, let, yeah. let them learn the hard way. And, and, you know, sometimes sometimes they need street therapy. Yes. And that's hard. Yeah. It's hard to let them go. Right. And you just have to say, okay, Lord, I, I trust you. Yeah. I trust you in life or in death. I trust you. And there came a point where I laid my loved one on the altar and I said, whatever can give you the most glory God whether it's to lay them in the grave or raise them up to serve you and you know what he's been gracious yes. he's been very gracious yes. more gracious than I would have ever been <laughs> yes. uh, people who have been abused particularly as children have their conscience stunted this will inevitably shipwreck their faith holding on to faith and a good conscience some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith so if you were abused as a child you don't have a healthy conscience. Yes. It's difficult. Uh, it's difficult. Like you, you may be trained to lie yeah. uh, to protect yourself as a child. And so now as an adult, you're in a habit of lying. Yes. You just open your mouth and it's a lie. And you're like, look at that. I exaggerated again. Yes. And so it's a habit. You just got to keep bringing it to the Lord and you got to keep uh, getting before safe people and say, hey, I'm working on this habit of lying. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you got your conscience flipped and develop that as a protective mecha mechanism for your life so you wouldn't be abused. And you got to watch out for also like pity because I'll say the reason why I did this is because this happened to me in my life and I'll, I'll use that for years and years. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll mm. like you said, lie. Like I'll lie about I didn't really do that and then get caught up and use that as excuse. You know what I mean? That's what I was going to say. So what you're doing is using your past as an excuse yes. to not move forward in yes. your future. That's right. a fact. So let's look at the lies we believe. It's all your fault. <laughs> Number one, it's all your fault. Number two. You asked for it. <laughs> Number three. You are responsible for my misery. Number four. You are a ball and chain that ruined my life. Looks like we're blaming somebody, doesn't it? Yes. Number five. You will never be good enough. You never. Six. You always screw things up. You always. <laughs> Number seven. You should have never been bored. Number eight. You are good for nothing. Okay, if you were told these lies as a child. Yes. If you were told these lies. I break them now in Jesus' name. 
I break them now. I, I tell you that this is not who you are. This is the, who the enemy has tried to trick you and deceive you and lie to you. But the truth is, you're seated at the right hand of the Father. You, he, he knew you before you were ever born. He knows the number of hairs on your head. His thoughts of you are more than the thoughts of the sand of the seashore. He loves you and you can never escape his love. So I want you to understand that. And I want you to reject these lies and forgive the people who told them to you. Keep going. If you, my friend, have been pressed in on every side and feel defeated because of the abuse of your past, your conscience has probably not developed properly. And it is most likely affecting your relation, all your relationships. Mm. Ex- explore the 12 kinds of conscience. Okay, so the first conscience is an awakened conscience. And I'm going to give you the references for these. John 8, 3 through 11. So there were accusers of the woman caught in adultery. And they had their consciences awakened when Jesus bent down and wrote in the sand. And Jesus said, those without sin cast the first stone. Well, instead, their anger was abated, and they all got up and walked away. They did not stone this woman. So their consciences were awakened. So if I'm accusing somebody else, Josh, I better turn my fingers towards me. Yes. <laughs> That's a That's real good sign. When you're pointing at somebody, you got three fingers facing you. That's right. You know what I mean? They're always back like this. So it's important to be able to correct myself first. Yes. Okay, number two. Seared conscience. Departed from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, listening listening to doctrines of devils, speaking lies, living if living in hypocrisy, forbidding marriage and eating meat. So that's First Timothy four one through three. A seared conscience. You're departing from the faith. You're listening to other voices. You're not listening to Christ. You're, it's lies, it's doctrine of devils, it's seducing, it's hypocrisy. You're making up all these rules. You forbid people to marry, you forbid them to eat fruit, you forbid them to wear this or to dress like that or to go here, to go there. There's a lot of rules. So with a seared conscience, um, there's, there's this seductress that's pulling us away from Christ instead of towards Christ. And you'll know that because your heart doesn't burn for the word. Number three. Purged conscience. Hebrews 9, 9 through 14, 10, 2, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The blood of Christ purges our conscience from, de- from dead works to serve the living God. The Old Testament sacrifices has no power to purge the conscience. So in the Old Testament, when they brought a sacrifice, they had to do it again and again and again and again but in the new testament it's done it's once and for all the lord jesus says it is finished and it's not only finished it's as far as the east is from the west he remembers it no more i don't need to remember it anymore either and i don't need to carry around those dead works so the only way i'm going to get over my past over my sins over Carrying that stuff and the enemy accusing me is to let it be dead, let it be under the blood. So when I hear it, I can say, "Ah, no, that's the old me. Yeah, that doesn't have any more power over me. And that's the only way I'm going to get past that. That's the only way I'm going to allow my conscience to be purged. So if you're carrying around junk and it's heavy, it's like a ball in a chain, and you're living this life for Christ... 80% 80% of the time, 90% of the time, and you got this little junk that you're carrying around at all times. I want you to recognize this, and I want you to get into that Hebrews 9, and I want you to ask the Lord to help you purge that conscience 
Number four. Uh, pure, clear conscience. Mm-hmm. Acts 24, 16, 1 Timothy 3, 9, 2 Timothy 1, 3. Mm-hmm. Not double-tongued, not given to wine, not greedy. Blameless, remembrance of prayers day and night. Exercising ourselves to always have a conscience void of offense. Mm-hmm. So the word offended means to stumble. And if I get offended, I lose my peace. And I'm literally in that tormentor's prison in Matthew 18. And I hear it. And it, it takes up a lot of real estate in my mind. Yes. I, I, I ruminate on it. I obsess over it. So what I want to do is when I hear that, I want to be like, whoa, my conscience just got defiled. And I want to make sure that I go back and get it clean so that I can with my prayers I can be blameless before the Lord I can lay it on his altar and say make this good Lord because this doesn't look good yes. okay number five weak conscience first Corinthians 8 7 through 13 we have liberty in Christ but if there is a weaker brother our liberty can make others stumble therefore we should consider our weaker brothers and sisters in Christ when giving ourselves liberties hmm so it might be okay for me to have a half a glass of wine or half a glass of champagne or something like that. I, I mean, if I just did it here and there. But if my weaker brother's in front of me that has a lot of struggles and a lot of problems with that, I'm literally giving myself a liberty that may make them stumble. Yes. Does that make sense? So I may not do that. Yes. Others may, but I may not. And so yeah. when I'm when I'm setting as a as a teacher of the Lord and I'm setting standards for myself. I need to set them higher. Yes. I need to go to higher ground. I need to say, Lord, give me, give me the grace to get up there, to to walk a blameless life higher than I could ever imagine, so that I'm not going to make others stumble. Yes. Because I, I mean, because brothers and sisters in Christ, we're always supposed to, even if we like, you know, I mean, we we're always supposed to be somebody that wants the other to get ahead. Yes. Like to get better. Right. If I know you're sick with alcoholism or something like that, I shouldn't go in front of you and doing anything Mm-mm. like that. Mm-mm. Even if I really want to right now, go somewhere else. You know right. what I mean? Right. I know this because I have to deal with this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So others may, but I may not. Yes. And I need to understand that that's my calling in Christ to keep yes. my, my pure conscience. So let's look at a defiled conscience. Defiled conscience, Titus one fifteen. To the pure, all things are pure. To the unbelieving, nothing is pure, but defiled by unbelief. Mm. Whoa. Yeah. So if I'm not believing, it's going to be very difficult for me not to have a defiled conscience. I'm always going to be offended. Yeah. I'm always going to think God doesn't know what he's doing or somebody. I'm always going to be blaming somebody else. But if I'm just like, okay, Lord. This hurts. This is ouchy, but you're teaching me. You're training me. I believe. Look at that. It says I've got a pure conscience, and yes. it's not going to be defiled by my unbelief. That's such a good example, actually. Yeah. Number yeah. seven. Witnessing conscience. Romans two twelve through 15. 9, 1 through 2. Uh, Corinthians, no, 2 Corinthians 1, 12. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> Law is written in their hearts. Conscience bears witness. Their thoughts accuse or excuse one another. The conversion of Paul's conscience was simple, godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, with God's grace. Well, now Paul was a murderer. 
<laughs> he, he wrote 13. I think the Lord yeah. likes this broken ones. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. You know, Moses was a murderer and he wrote, you know, five books of the Old Testament and Paul was a murderer and he wrote some, they, some say 13 books of the New Testament. So God likes to take that which everybody would say was um, barren and useless and needed to be cast away, and he likes to take it and turn it for his glory. So know that the law is written in your hearts. We all know that you shouldn't murder, that you shouldn't uh, lie, that you shouldn't cheat, that you shouldn't steal. We all know that. That's in our hearts, even if you've never known anything about Christ. And so let your conscience bear that witness and don't quench your conscience. If you hear it and you hear yourself making excuses for yourself or rationalizing, when I hear that, I know I'm in trouble. Yes. I know if I hear that, oh, well, everybody else does it. You're so right. Well, I'm so much better than they are. Yes. Uh, you just might as well forget it. I'm ready to stumble. Yes. So I want to make sure that I'm simple with godly sincerity, that I've got God's grace to cover that and to help me have a witnessing conscience that I would be doing what's right. Yes. Okay. Good conscience. Acts 23.1, 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 19, uh, 1 Peter 2.19. 3:16 and 21 Hebrews 13:18 Okay. A good conscience is rooted in love by a pure heart and sincere faith. Amen. That's facts. Hold fast to your faith or a good conscience can be shipwrecked. Baptism is a pledge of a good conscience towards God. So when you get baptized and you come up out of that water, you're clean. Yes. Don't don't drag it past back up. Don't let the enemy drag it back up. Don't let it drag you back out. If you're, if you're in recovery, if you're doing good, if you're an enabler and you're in recovery and you've got that checkbook locked up <laughs> and you're doing good, then don't be drugged back out there. Yes. Uh, make sure that your heart is full of love and you're doing it out of the right motives. I mean, when I set up boundaries, I want to be doing it because I love them, yeah. not because I'm hateful or angry or vicious or I want them to suffer, but I want them to learn. I want them to, it's like the little butterfly coming out of his little cocoon. I want them to stretch their wings to get strong, to let them dry. So when they get out of there, they can fly. Yeah. I don't want to do it for them to where they don't understand the work that it cost so then they just go right back out and get themselves in the same mess so i want to be able to do everything i do out of sincere faith and a pure heart number nine convicting or healthy conscience matthew 27 3 26 75 convicting conscience judas repented to men but he did not seek restitution with the disciples instead he became broody and inconsolable and this led to him, to the act of self-destruction through suicide. Hmm. Healthy conscience. Peter went out and wept bitterly with repentance unto God and became the rock of the church. Look at that. Matthew 16, 18, 26, 75. Look at that. So Judas, he repented unto death. Peter repented unto salvation. So when I'm repenting, if I'm rolling in that, that negativity, in that rambling, in that beating myself, I'm literally embracing death, negativity, darkness, evil. Uh, I'm not accepting the grace of God. I'm not accepting that his blood can cover it all. And I'm ending up where Judas did with a death hanging over my head like a dark cloud. Instead, I want to be like Peter going, ha, 
you can redeem anything and now my shadow is going to be really strong it's going to go past people and they're going to be healed i want to be able to have that uh, go out and weep bitterly over my sins and yes. repent and then let go of them and you know but Josh, that's that's sometimes hard. Yeah, I, I have high standards for myself, and when I do something stupid, <laughs> I'm just like, you know, I might carry it for weeks before I can get it off of me. I, I it's almost like I I feel like I got to beat myself up, whether it was something I said, something I did, somebody I hurt. I, I feel like I have to beat myself up over it, and and that's not that's not a healthy conscience. No. A healthy conscience weeps bitterly, repents, and then becomes the rock. They take it and they teach others what God taught them. They forgive others as God forgave them. They give grace as God gave them grace. So that is a convicting healthy conscience. Number 10. Liberated by edifying conscience. 1 Corinthians 10, 25 through 29. A A liberated conscience can eat anything that is placed before him. But if he is told the food was sacrifices to idols, he is not to eat it for the conscience sake of the weaker brother. Similarly, a Christian should not go to a pagan feast. His goal is to edify and profit others. So if I if I want to edify others, then and they're telling me, hey, we can't go there because blah 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 blah. Then you know maybe yeah. I've gone there before and it didn't bother me. But yeah. if it bothers him, goodness sake, I shouldn't go. <laughs> He's going to be looking at me, going, okay, if she can go, I can go. Yeah. Yeah, does that make sense? So I want to be able to liberate my conscience and say, okay, I can, I can sacrifice for the you know place of my friend. Number eleven, evil conscience. Hebrews ten twenty two, evil means causing harm or injuring to another disagreeable or enslaving another Mm. we need a true heart honest and sincere assurance of our faith convicting sin and not accusing excusing excusing yes washed allusion to the regeneration process process so an evil conscience is just going to make um it's going to be disagreeable it's going to be trying to enslave others with you in your nonsense uh, a true heart, a true conscience is going to be honest and sincere, really grabbing onto that faith and not excusing anything, but wrestling it. Yes. And I mean, if that means you got to wrestle it three weeks or six weeks to get rid of that bitterness, buddy, you just keep pulling that up and giving it to the Lord. Ah, there's that bitterness again. Yeah. I refuse to walk in that. There it is, Lord. And then that's the regeneration process. So when I come to Christ, I'm justified. Nobody can take that from me. But then I, I have to cooperate to let my heart my soul be washed and regenerated according to the word of God so that now I can walk in a way that's different than my flesh. Number 12, this is our final one. Perfect conscience. Hmm. Hebrews 9, 8 through 10. Hebrews 10, 1 through 16. The blood of bulls and goats could not forever take away our sins and could not purge our conscience. We are once and for all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. So, if our conscience are condemning us of the past, then we are not living by and through the blood of Christ, but are still under the Old Testament law condemning ourselves. Wow. A perfect conscience enjoys the New Testament position of being a joint heir with Christ. Mm. Romans eight seventeen. Mm-hmm. A perfect conscience enjoys our sins completely washed away. The Lord remembers them no more, and there is no more sacrifice needed for the past sins. Amen. Hebrews 10. 17 through 18. So I want to keep a short list. I want to lay up on my bed every night, and I want to say, Lord, 
what what needs clean tonight oh yes i need to go and serve that person yes i need to go back and apologize for what i said that was just off color that was that might have hurt them i might have been insensitive it may not have been sin but it may have been insensitive and and i need to go back and make amends if i need to or i just need to let things go so that when i lay up on my bed at night i keep a really short list with the lord uh, Lord, what do you want me to deal with? What do you want me to let go of? How do you want me to do this? And as I do that, now I'm a sanctified vessel. Remember how we said justified is a work that of God that we can't do for ourselves. He does it for us. Nobody could take that away from us. And then we cooperate with him to become regenerated. And as we do that, he sanctifies us. And to be sanctified, Josh, means I'm set apart for his use. He can use me as his vessel, and I'm yielding myself to him at all time. Now, the exercise is to determine your false thinking and where your conscience needs to mature. So I think my conscience needs to mature in uh, not rehearsing things, but letting them go quicker. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I think I need to uh, work on, like, like we talked about earlier, like, the things we were told that we were in the past, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. Yes. And let me, even though mm. I say outwardly, I don't believe in none of that stuff, but I also have different parts of me, like a subconscious, you know what I mean? That, I, that tells me, yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes. Even though I outwardly that don't little, believe in it. That little defiled conscience. Yep, that, that's that, exactly right. That didn't get trained in the, yep. in the goodness and the grace of God. So a mature conscience enjoys freedom in Christ. So what I heard one of my... Uh, Bible teachers say on the radio is that uh, they wrote down who they were in Christ on one side of a note card and on the other side they wrote down the lie that they had been told but they for every lie they had been told they asked God for a scripture and they sat on the couch every night and read the lie and said that's a lie and then they read the truth and it took a couple of months before they they were clean yes. they were no longer uh, being gripped with uh, instantaneous grieving or self-pity because now that was under the blood now they had used the word of god to give them that mature conscience so the principle i want you to think with is a mature conscience enjoys the freedom in christ so under the application we're going to look at 10 things to help us overcome our past you want to start with number one? Yeah. Exercise a conscience to be without of offense. No guilt or shame. Hmm. you got to recognize that guilt and shame. Yeah. And then you got to practice, okay, how do I get rid of this? How do I release this to God? Because there's no condemnation in those who walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. The flesh is going to condemn me. The Spirit's going to give me grace. Number two. Recognize when thoughts are accusing or excusing. Hmm. Yep, that noisy rationalizing, okay, everybody else does it. Okay, I could probably get away with that. <laughs> I better get rid of that fast. That better be a sign that I need help. Yeah. I better be going to somebody. Number three. Purpose to pray for and develop a pure heart with a sincere faith. Mm. Mm, yeah. That's... Number four. Hold fast to a good conscience through faith. You know, sometimes I, I, I can confess anything to my husband. And he, he's going to probably make excuses for me and blame himself. 
<laughs> and so love does cover a multitude of sins. That's a good husband. <laughs> That's a good husband. So we need to know that um, we need to go. But, you know, sometimes I'll carry it for days and think, oh, I can't tell him this. I, I, I can't tell him that. Mm. And then I tell him, and he's he's like, he's laughing about it. And he's like, oh, I did worse. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yes. Now we're both got clean conscience, and now we can move forward. Yes. I, I thought that, too. Most most of my sins are in my thoughts. Yeah. But, until, but if I don't get them out of my thoughts, they're going to be in my spirit. They're going to be in my actions. I, I'm not going to be able to move forward. That's real. And so let's look at... They said guilt will run you out the door. You know what I mean? In, oh. in the recovery community, they say guilt will run you out the door because of that mm. right there. Because it's so, you know what I mean? It soaks in there and we, like a festering sore. Ouch. I think it's a hook. Yeah. Like if there are um, cracks on a wall, that's where you put your little hammer and you hook yourself to when you're yeah. crawling, you know, rock climbing. Yeah. Well, if the enemy's climbing up my soul to try to be on my high tower to try to conquer me, he's in those wounds. He's in those cracks. He's yes. in those crevices. So what you're talking about is the guilt is a crack for the enemy to hold on to, to yes. climb up, to make himself stronger in my life. So yes, you need to really work through that. And if it's some a, something that you're stuck in for more than two to four weeks and you're sitting there thinking i i can't get over this i'm stuck in it for a month i'm stuck in it for a year 10 years yeah. get a counselor get a counselor get a pastor get somebody and sit down with them and get get this thing yeah. off of you and and it's not a battle that we can do once some of this stuff is a battle that you've got to to fight head on for about six weeks yes but you got to decide that you're going to do it yeah you can't give into it you you're give right. into it buddy you got to oh, start all over yeah. again okay number four uh, hold fast to a good conscience through faith. Okay, that faith is bigger than me, and faith is a gift. Yes. So I have to ask for the gift of faith to have that clear conscience that is my inheritance. Number five. Repent often. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. Yes. <laughs> Number six. Be, uh, forgive quickly. Lord, I forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> Number seven. Be washed in the word by the regeneration process. Hmm. And that's when um, now we are clean through the word that you've spoken through us in John 15. If I speak the word over me, I'm going to get clean. And I know when I'm sinning because I don't want to get in the word. Yeah. <laughs> I actually want to rewrite the word. And so I want to make sure that I'm not doing that. And if I'm sitting with the word, it's going to wash me. It's going to keep me clean. If I start neglecting that discipline, uh, I'm in trouble. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I could probably... Uh, carry it off for a week yeah. you might not even know it because i know a lot of scripture yeah. but i know it and i things are going to start getting dark and the first thing that happens is that i get anxious yeah and and i'm like okay i didn't set in the word this morning because when i sit down with the word i'm just like lord uh, I ain't moving to give me something. And it's usually only a minute or two for he gives me something to hold on to for the day. So I really need to be in the word every day, every day, every day. Yes. Number eight. Uh, let not your conscience condemn you for the past. Press on. Hmm. Get up, shake the dust off your feet, and keep moving. Yes. Upward and onward, little soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times we, we lose a battle, but that doesn't mean we have to lose the war. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean the final victory's been done. So number nine. We are justified freely by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. Romans three twenty two through 24 1 John 2, 2, and 4 and 10. Yes, number 10. Accept the position as a joint heir with Christ. 
Yes. In Romans 8, 17. So I'm a joint heir. So that means my inheritance is what Christ has given me. It's my salvation. It's my freedom. It's grace. It's hope. It's love. It's a blessing. It's a future and, and not, not, uh, not destruction, not tearing me down. So in conclusion, let your conscience be awakened. Never let your conscience be scarred by the lack of faith. Purge all dead works, all the behaviors of your flesh. And that means you got to pull them up and you got to figure out what's robbing you of that peace and what lies you're believing. And then you got to lay them on that altar and let a pure conscience refuse to take an offense against anyone. When you feel yourself getting bitter or offended with somebody, you got to get that off of you. So give deference to a weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't let unbelief defile your conscience. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Open your heart to read the law written on it. Let your good conscience be rooted in love. Move conviction to full repentance. And repentance is a really a turning away and saying, I ain't going back there again. No matter what happens, I'm, I, don't, I don't care what, if I have to tie myself to this chair and to this Bible, I'm not going back. So let your goal be to edify and profit others, be washed from an evil conscience, and enjoy a perfect, mature conscience as an heir of God and as a co-heir with Christ. And that's our inheritance. See, for the longest time, I used to think repentance was just me outwardly saying I'm sorry. But what you just said that a lot of people don't realize is that it's not just saying I'm sorry. It's actually changing my actions. Yes. Because sorry only gets sorry for so long. You know what I mean? And then it's just words coming out of your mouth. Unless I choose to walk a different way right. and do my actions different, then I'm not really repenting. Well, in addictions, it's hard because addictions are like you're powerless over there. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, and, yeah. and they suck you in and yeah. they, they rob you and they, you're like in chains. And, and it's like you're powerless to not do them. I mean, I'm powerless like over chocolate or coffee, so I don't know what it would be like with heroin or, or yeah. meth. I mean, it's got to be such a powerful thing that it's bigger than you for a moment. Yeah. And so the way you have to do is literally get away from it. Yes. You got to get the boundaries around yourself. Sometimes that means you're locked up in prison where you can't get to it. Yes, thank God it, for that. It can't get to you. Yes. And so if your loved ones are going to jail, let them sit for yes. a little while. They've got to be safer there than they are on the streets because on the streets, they're not even safe for themselves. So sometimes we have to just literally sever everything and go the other way for a while. We've got to go to the desert, you know, for yeah. for a weekend and fast and pray and say, get this thing off me, God. This thing is bigger than me. Yes. And, and I heard a fellow one time at a AA meeting, and he said, I was ready to commit suicide. I had been an alcoholic my whole life, 30 years. I had run off my children. I mistreated my wife, and, and she was getting ready to leave me, and I, I, I was, I was going to commit suicide. And instead, my friend said to me, why don't you just, why don't you just, I, I get you a hotel room, like a, um, an extended hotel stay for one month. Just go one month, be on your face every day, and pray to God. And so um, he did. And in about three weeks, he said he got a spiritual awakening, and he ain't never turned back, and he's been one of the pillars of the community of the church and yep. the AA group ever yep. since. <laughs> I tried everything. I was like uh, the lady that just grabbed the, the shawl of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It says in the Bible that she tried pharma and all that other stuff. She right. tried many different right. things. Mm -hmm. well, I, I'm, Spent all of her money. I'm the same way. I tried the other 
other little things, but until I put my sights on this right here, on learning about God, and he has an answer in the Bible for everything that you have going on with you in your life, then I I messed up. But as soon as I found out the answer, the answer is God. Absolutely. But I got to sit with it and I got to say, where's it at, Lord? And he says, he promises me, if you're double-minded, if you don't know what to do, ask for wisdom. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. So pray us out of here, Josh. May I have the grace of God to develop a mature conscience so I may let others squarely own their own actions and consequences. May I know the secret to a mature conscience is a strong faith. Mm -hmm. May God bless me with a supernatural faith bigger than any of my accusation, self-condemnation, guilt, or shame. May I renounce every lie ever spoken over me Mm -hmm. and walk in the freedom of my inheritance of a pure, healthy, mature conscience. Amen. Oh, Lord. So did you see the uh, the solution to the accusations, condemnation, guilt, and shame? Yes. It's faith. Baby. It's faith. Yeah. It's faith. So I pray faith and supernatural faith, the gift of faith, uh, overwhelming faith, a faith that's bigger than you, and one that will sustain you through all your trials and troubles. And this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Bond. And if you want to listen to this again, it's on our podcast, our Rocker Recovery podcast on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora.